Hey everyone, it's Zach Newman. Uh, got another podcast for you. Talk about bikes and other random crap. And today we've got uh, Greenville's own Logan Place. How you doing today? What's up, Monty? How you living? I think we're uh, we're both hurt. Yeah, um, we both got a bum knee. Yeah. Two more days of tour left. We're both we're hobble squad. We're, we're both we both hurt our left knee. Yeah, left knee. So we're kind of... You know, right foot in, left foot out. We're spinning to the left. Yeah, we are just <laughs> screwed all together. But hey, two days left. We fly home Friday night. So I think we can make it through. Yeah. Well, um, Logan, you're not necessarily... I hope you don't take this, take offense to this, but you're maybe not a household name in the BMX community. I don't even think I'm on the porch. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not even close. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm that... Uh, you're a local guy that kills it, you know. You definitely kill it. Yeah. And that's a reason why you're on the road with us. Appreciate it. Um, tell us about growing up in Greenville. Like uh, Pro Town USA. Man, growing up in Greenville. So I kind of missed the whole boat on the whole Greenville scene. Um, I kind of got to see a couple different variations of the scene come through. I mean, a local skate park session for me was a lot level of riding was a lot higher than most people you know you, you, most people don't go to the skate park and it's not like Ryan Gootler and Josh Harrington and you know I saw Logan Martin and Kyle Baldock come through when they first came to the states and I mean pretty much anybody in you know the early 2010s late 2000s if you name them I saw them and that's I mean that's good and bad it can I feel like it can maybe scare you like wow that's unobtainable or it's that is obtainable and that's where the bar is and i gotta get there yeah um i feel like it could put a lot of pressure on you i you know i see a lot of people come in and out and learn a lot of what not to do some of what to do but uh yeah it's definitely interesting man you know I, i probably look at riding a lot differently because of it and i've never been someone to get you know stage fright from seeing local pros yeah. So, you know, it, it's never been as big a deal for me as it is for most people. Now, what, uh, like you've talked about, there's been different renditions of, of Greenville and what everyone calls Pro Town. What year did you start riding? Let's see, man. I started riding in 2008. Got my first bike November 14th, 2008. How old were you? I was, oof. 10, 11, something okay. like that. Yeah, I just turned 26, so you're looking at. 14 years I've been on a bike now. You've accomplished quite a bit in, I have. in that time frame. Um, so 2008, there were still quite a few guys living there. Um, Mira had his warehouse, which I guess at that point maybe Daniel was. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure who was running at that time. I know Dave was kind of out of the scene or maybe he still had a toe or two in. So it was probably more the Gootler crew at that time, you know, Australian invasion, you had dudes from England coming over, like Harry Maine was there all the time and that sort of scene. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you still had the unit crew, which was Harrington, Darden, you know, more local dudes like Marty Walsh, a couple other people here and there. Now, we're at a young age, you start riding, you have JC Park, it's been there for years. That was the pull that really got a lot of people there. Um, was that your go-to or did early on, were, were you 
able to ride these private warehouses? I mean, JC was my local for the longest time. Um, you know, back then you really needed to know somebody to get in there, especially the Animal House. Animal House was the training den. The unit was more like where all the homies hung out. You know, there were definitely different vibes to those two parks. I mean, I, I didn't even start getting into either one of them until I was probably 15, 16. And, you know, it, it takes somebody, you got to know somebody, they got to know that you're cool and, you know, you don't just show up to a place like that and try to ride. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between an animal house, a unit, and a JC skate park. So, was other than all these pros, all these guys chasing the dream from other countries, was there a big local scene? But when I was a kid, there was. Uh, I'm probably the very last tail end of what was a local scene. You know, I mean, so many kids that I grew up with, they fizzled out. You know, you get into cars, you get into women, this and that. You just got burnt out. You know, you take their first big crash. Um, you know, we, we had some kids that killed it, but nobody that ever really made an impact. You know, I really think the only, the only guy really out of Greenville to make an impact was Harrington. And he was from Greenville, Yeah, he's correct? from Greenville, born and raised, yeah. Lived there his whole life. So are you and Harrington kind of the only two? I believe so. Uh, Mike Mancuso, I think, is from Greenville. Don't quote me on that. But he's at, Which, least, he's at least from that area. Yeah, close. Yeah, if not, he right. lived there, you know, through high school and through his whole pro career and stuff okay. like that. But very few and far between, that's, that's for sure. What... Um, you talked about a lot of the the kids you grew up with, the guys that were killing it. Uh, what was the? Why do you think you made it? And they, <sighs> right place, right time. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, man, I couldn't tell you. I was a uh, what I would consider a late bloomer in the bike riding game. You know, I was never out of my group of dudes I rode with. I was the last one to learn how to bar spin. It's the last one to learn how to tail whip. Definitely the last one to learn how to flip. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't a big, let's go do tricks guy. Let's go train. You know, I wasn't the 13 year old at the skate park that was blowing everybody's mind. I was the kid that was constantly picking himself up off the ground. So, so you can take that for what it's worth. I, I kind of always had that mindset of if I could picture it in my head, I'm going to try it until I physically, my body won't let me anymore. Yeah. Now, because of that mindset, did you have there being big time pros that um as far i mean i'm not gonna say i'm a big time pro but when i'm looking for someone to ride my bike with it doesn't matter if they're doing double flips or trying to learn the tail whip it's more the mindset of like going for it putting yourself through the the ringer mentally and physically trying to learn a trick and that's contagious were there any guys that were of the pro level when you were young that kind of latched on to you for for that um kind of mindset just someone to ride with not really man i was you know honestly i was a really introverted kid stayed to myself you know i mean the whole reason i got into bike riding is because sports just wasn't for me school wasn't for me sports wasn't for me I don't know. I couldn't tell you why exactly the BMX thing latched on, but it did and it stuck. You know, I mean, it wasn't until I was 17, 18 to once people started realizing, like, oh, he hasn't 
stopped riding yet. You know, oh, he's getting out of, out of Greenville, out of the state to go do contests and this, this, that, and the third. That's when kind of people started to take me under their wing a little bit, for sure. I had a couple of guys that definitely looked out for me. Now, coming from Greenville, there's East Carolina University. Mm-hmm. It is a semi-big sports school. Yeah. Um, where I come from, you've got Kentucky basketball, you've got football, you've got all that stuff. So the action sports maybe weren't as in the limelight. Yeah, the X Games is happening, but it was still looked down upon. Um, Coming from Greenville, knowing that this town is riddled with yeah. all sport, all sorts of action sports talent, do you think... Did that make a difference in your your growing up of, like, maybe not being pushed aside as much? I feel like, you know, in Greenville... That was long. That was long. It was long-winded. <laughs> but I, mean, I get what you're saying, the premise. Like, in Greenville, I mean, obviously, you know, just like anywhere, your parents push you to do sports, do team sports. This is that and the third. In Greenville, though, I mean, everybody knew who Dave Muir was. The BMX guys were the guys especially back in you know early to late 2000s like anywhere you go if you told somebody you were a bike rider ears and eyes turned towards you um you know for better or for worse obviously (laughs) but uh you know i mean like you know i think of me being a kid like four or five years old and i have dave Muir, you know bmx2 on the playstation you know i didn't know dave Muir who he was didn't know he lived in greenville let alone the riddled list of pro bike riders but uh i don't know man like I, i remember one I have a strong memory of me, I was probably four or five, you know, playing t-ball. J.C. Park's got a, a softball field beside it. And, you know, we used to go out there and practice and sitting out there swinging my, my little bat, the ball. And, you know, I watched some guy, I'll never forget it, man. He was doing 180 disasters on the spine, right? Saw that, didn't really think much of it at the time, you know. My dad looks at me and he goes, yeah, that could be you. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to keep trying to chase this little baseball thing because that was fun for me at the time but uh yeah man i there, there's i'm not sure exactly what pulled pulled me to it you know as a matter of fact I, I can tell you it's the first time i really sat down and was like oh this is something i want to do is you know oddly enough it was a bmx show you know 2000 spring of 2008 my, my mom took me to the state fair up in raleigh uh the raleigh you know north north carolina state fairgrounds and Keith King, you know, his stunt team always did a show out there, pretty much every year, forever. And, you know, I sat down, watched that show. I think I watched all three shows, actually. Got a poster signed by a bunch of guys, and I was like, man, that was awesome. Who was there? Man, who was there? Mike Laird was definitely there. Uh, Johnny Deadweiler. Who else? JC Connect. Scooter Don, OG Greenville guy. Probably a bunch of other dudes that I can't remember right now because I'm not great with names, but, you know, I, you know, I don't know if it was like, I want to do this bike riding thing, but something definitely stuck with me that day that I probably didn't even realize till I was, you know, way later in life. The, the, yeah, I mean, you've, at a certain point, you did start doing shows um, for companies, you did start traveling is it like subconsciously giving some kid that same feeling you had or is that conscious it's it is now i mean so for me man like you know my age group kind of caught the tail end of the magazine era we definitely caught the tail end of the do to era do tour era 
And I was like, you know, when you're growing up, that was always stuff that I wanted to do. Go be a big contest pro, you know, get the cover of a magazine, be in the ads in the, in the middle. And, you know, at a certain age, I was like, I want to just make money riding my bike. You know, it'd be cool. Just, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be rich. Pay me 20 bucks and a soda pop. Just and, survive. Yeah, dude. Like, just, it'd just be cool. I was like, I saw that as a kid and I was like, that's just something I want to do. And like you said, you know, just putting smiles on people's faces, you know, and, and now the older I get, you know, I've been touring, man, 10 years now since I was 16. And, you know, the older I get, the more I want to make an impact in somebody's life, you know, not necessarily, hey, go ride a bike. But it's like, hey, if you have a passion of something, whether it's riding a bike or being the best math mathematician or being the best chess player musician whatever it is like you can follow through with that and you know a lot of people are going to doubt you but if you have that vision go for it dive head in you know and that's that's kind of what i especially now in these later years of my show career that i always push that to kids because i feel like that's huge and that's not something they get to hear all the time yeah i mean uh, it's Follow your dreams, follow your passions. There was definitely, I mean, when I was in school, I, I did finish school, but with I, my guidance counselor, I remember wouldn't help me with things because, yes, some of my friends were derelicts, mm -hmm. but I wasn't. Yeah. But she, you could tell it was like, oh, well, he just rides his bike and skateboards. He's a yeah. You get put in the, you get put in that category of you know for better or for worse. Like, oh, he is in action sports you know, degenerate for yeah. the most part, you know, and whether you're good at school or not, you have a certain look, the way you dress, the way you act and present yourself. And, you know, you're not falling into line of like, oh, I'm wearing Sperry's and tan pleated shorts and a polo. You and, know, was, and was that a big problem for you in school dealing with other kids? And Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a, a few different issues personally that with some abuse with substances when I was in high school I didn't fit in you know I was just over it you know why would I hang out with these kids my age when I'm at the skate park hanging out with dudes who are 25 traveling the world hearing all these crazy stories you know or partying on the weekend like that's what I wanted to do you know and I ended up dropping out of high school in my ninth grade year but it wasn't too to be a bike rider. I dropped out with no real plan at all. I was like, well, I guess I'll drop out and get my GED and we'll join the work workforce. Just because you didn't, you felt mentally higher up or older or just didn't fit in in school? I mean, maybe. I was definitely more mature than most people like in my age range. Like even when I was a freshman in high school, I was hanging out with seniors and people who are graduated and in college. There's that, there was a getting away from things that you shouldn't have been doing, getting away from the bad crowd, which that was another big thing for me. Um, you know, it was a hard decision to make, for sure. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it, school definitely wasn't for me. I was the kid that, when you walked into first period, I was head down on the table sleeping. You know, oh, we got math homework? Didn't do it. You know, that was always me. What were you doing yesterday? I was riding my bike eight hours a day. That's, yeah. You know, got out of school at 3, I was at the skate park by 3.45, and I was there until the light shut off at 10.15. So it was just, it was, you had the work ethic, it just wasn't something that the school could channel the way that... Yeah, yeah, and, you, know, and, and you, know, you know, some people have teachers that, you know, reach out and 
really pull a string for him, and I never had that. You know, I always had the, you know, the stereotypical, oh, you ride bikes? Like, what's that going to do for you? Where's that going to take you? Yeah. Oh, you're not going to be able to make a living with that. You know, some of that was from my parents, and, you know, not everybody understands that mindset, really. And I don't even think I understood it at the time, because, that, you know, I wasn't so foreshadowing myself where I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is this is my goal. This is my plan. Like, I'm not a plan person. You know, I, I, I don't even, I just wake up and do. Yeah. You know, that's how I've always lived. Now, ironically, you quit school and then you started doing shows and you ended up back at school. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, let's see, man. Like, did my first show at 15, you know, did it for free. Who was that for? Uh, it's for Mike Mancuso, Protown okay. BMX. Yep. Did it at a pumpkin patch. I literally just showed up with my bike. I was like, hey, uh, I want to do this. Now, mind you, I'm not a, like I said earlier, I'm not a trick rider. I'm like jumping the box, taking, you know, jazz fingers. Can't barely do a trick. I was a can-can guy, you know. But they were like, hey, you want to come help set up the ramp and lay plywood down in the dirt? By all means, feel free. You know, we ain't paying you, but come on out. And that was kind of my first foot in the door and did some things with him for a while. And, yeah, you know, so I dropped out of high school, um, you know, back home, uh, good friend Dan Sieg lives lived there forever he's you know done shows for the longest time and he was doing a an elementary school tour and had a guy you know just kind of back out you know and a spot opened up and funny enough of all people Dan Crook was the one that told him my name they needed a guy I was 16 just dropped out of high school was just floating and hey man can you drive four hours to Winston-Salem Sure. I'll so you so you you knew Dan Cruck and he's from where is he from? Minnesota? Dan yeah, Cruck's from Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. And he was telling Dan Sieg to take you on the road. Who Dan yep. Sieg lives in Greenville. Yep. Did you not? You didn't have a relationship with Dan. I mean, I've that. known Dan a couple of times. You know, yelled at me for smoking cigarettes at the skate park, and probably yelled at me for snaking people before I knew what snaking people was. Um, but the whole Dan Cruck thing, you know, Cruck had been touring with him and a guy named Lane George for a while, and, you know, they probably went to go do some other show company stuff, and they left Dan behind, Dan Cruck. Yeah. You know, me and Dan, I think Dan's a year or two older than I am, so just kind of saw him at the skate park sitting there, talking to him, and I was like, hey, man. You know, I was going to a contest that weekend, brought him along, and, you know, you never know what being nice to somebody is going to do for you, yeah. you know? might be a little interaction it might be a big interaction but you know being nice to somebody goes a long way and then you know that was months prior you know so they went out on the road didn't see any of them for a while and yeah randomly got the phone call like hey man we need we need a rider you ain't got nothing going on can you make it out and i was absolutely first tour i went up to up through New York and West Virginia, two of the worst areas to do elementary school shows in the country i think right place right time really for anyone listening that wants that is is a bmxer that wants to do shows not to say just sit on your ass and don't do anything yep. but definitely do not drop out of high school by the way <laughs> you know I, I i regret that but you know everything does happen for a reason yeah but right place right time if you're not open for that timing it's not going to work it, it like oh maybe I, I gotta work on my house this weekend mm -hmm. but that one day of shows might lead to six months of shows you, you yeah ne you never know yeah man i mean you, you you 
do six months of shows with that company. Somebody from that team refers you to another company. I mean, it could be even something way else to where you might get a whole another job away from BMX just from talking to somebody at the show. I yeah. mean, you, ne you never know what, sh what can happen at the end of the day. You know, it's hard to think about like that, you know, but it's, you should do it because it's the right thing to do. But at the end of the day, it does open up a world of opportunities if you are a good person. Yeah, it's, it's networking, but it's not really network. It's, it's more or less just meeting people and making friends. Yeah, absolutely. And especially then, man, like you told me what networking was. I'd be like, you mean like the internet network? Like, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about, but... You know, obviously, the older you get, and especially where we're at now, like we're almost kind of our own business. So it is networking. Yeah. But at the end of the day, man, just being good to somebody, don't expect something from them. You know, you know, you, you, people pick up on your attitude and your vibe, and obviously, the ball's in their court at that point. And that that's a true testament to you, is that you've been traveling you have so many days under your belt yeah. not just years but the amount of days per year and that's a true testament to, to to who you are as far as being able to be on the road with people because yep. it's you're for for those listening you're with these other riders that you just get thrown into a vehicle with you have to work with them you have to eat with them you might even share a bed with them. Oh yeah, sleeping on the floor, Sleep, anything you could think of. You're around each other for a, at least 23 hours yep. of the day. And the bike riding part is the most insignificant part of your whole job. Yep. Now mind you, like I was saying earlier, I'm not a, I wasn't a big trick guy. You know, they, they brought me on the road at 16. At that time I had a no-hander, you know, a, a one-footed X-up. I wasn't a backflip guy, you know. I wasn't even a 360 guy at the time. But like you said, they just, they saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself, and it was easy to be around, and at the, I mean, at the end of the day, too, it kind of, like, taught me how to be a man. You're also shorter, so you fit in the truck better. Yeah, and I look like a child, so I was, <laughs> I mean, there, a lot of times I was getting chased down at the school, like, hey, go back to class. Like, I, I don't go here, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but that, so, you're, you're going on the road, uh, courtesy of Dan Kruk, you're now on the road with Dan Sieg, and that's um rise above aga nation yep yep and how long did you do that Oof. man I, I probably did shows with you know aga nation and rise above Oof. probably all the way up to i was 20 21 and, 22 and you guys were so those were fundraiser shows there's a little bit of everything man when we first started out it was straight up fundraising shows you know world's finest chocolate Sure, yeah, a lot so, of there's a lot of show riders have done stuff for fundraising reps all over the country. So a lot of anyone listening, I'll break it down to those who aren't familiar. Uh, every school has some sort of fundraiser. Some guy that comes in brings a Oriental trading catalog, sells a <laughs> bunch of stuff. If the school gets enough money, um, the kid kids get a reward. Same thing with selling chocolate. The gets a certain amount um, a lot of these reps will either pay for it or partially pay for it and PTA pays for the other half but it's a reward for the kids for raising money for the schools yeah it's a very interesting thing so you know it was fundraising shows for a while and then uh, you know to the credit of Ron Thomas and his business partner Kurt they were able to get their hands on uh, the National Guard high school contract 
um, which that was a pretty big deal, you know, at the time. It's a pretty big money contract, and I probably did that from 17, 18 to 21, 22. Now, you guys were that what I mentioned with days on the road, those those trips seemed pretty grueling. How many oh, how many days on of the year were you on the road? I think my two busiest years, uh, two fifty plus. And that's easy, two fifty plus. That's two shows a day, two different schools. You wake up at six in the morning, drive two, three hours to the first school, do your show, an hour show, tear down, drive an hour to the next school, do the same thing over again. And then you're driving eight to 12 hours after the show and you're doing the same thing the next day. How many, in a year, how many states would you hit? I think one year I hit 48. Or no, not 48. It was like 46 or 47, but somewhere in that range. Yeah. I, I remember specifically one tour, man. We did, we started in Greenville. This is like within a two month tour. We went from Greenville all the way to the West Coast, you know, down South. We went all the way through Louisiana, Texas, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, all the way to San Diego. We went all the way up north to Washington State and then all the way back to the other side of the country on the northern side, so North Dakota. Yeah, I remember you guys saying you got snowed in oh, North Dakota. I got so many stories from those couple of years. It was crazy. And, and, you know, I'm blessed for those, you know, for sure. Now, a lot of people think, oh, man, you did all this traveling. You must have got to see a lot. Well, I saw a lot of, you know, Bucky's and quick trips from the gas from the window, <laughs> but you know didn't really get to do a whole lot. You know, it's, it's it's wake up, drive, ride, sleep. And if you did, a lot of times you go to a skate park. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, got to thank you know Dan Sieg and Seth Klinger were two big guy proponents for me on that, and they always really took me under my wing and you know helped me out a lot on those tours. Because I mean, I you know I toured a little bit, but you know you tour for a week and then you're back home for however long. You know, those first couple of tours, man, it's it was tough. You yeah. know, it's being away from home. You're missing births. You're missing deaths. You're missing funerals, weddings, holidays. I mean, there was there was a couple of years there where I'd fly home the week of Thanksgiving and then fly out on Saturday after Thanksgiving and do that up to Christmas. And then fly out on the second or third of the year, first of the year. So, I mean, it was it was a grueling grueling tour for yeah. sure but you did but you know at the time we didn't i mean we knew but that's all we knew you know you know chasing the dream essentially just having a good time and you know trying to make as light of it as you can but when you're doing 12 to 16 weeks on the roads you know get at each other's necks a little bit it gets everybody gets ill now what was your and and i get that totally what uh even even with you guys, we've been on the road ten weeks. Like sometimes you just gotta go do your own thing. Gotta walk away. Put your headphones in. What, yeah. what what's your what's your go to? <laughs> oh man, what is my go? I'm a big headphone guy, for sure. I, uh, you know, the older I get, the more I walk away. You know, I might have been a little bit more of a hothead when I was younger. I was never disrespectful or anything, but I would be quick to snap. You know, but you know, the older I get now, the more I'm like, all right, let's. I'm gonna go out and do my own adventure by myself, hang out with some strangers. <laughs> that aren't you guys, <laughs> you know. So you, you get everybody's got to find their own ways, and but at the end of the day, you got to find a common ground with everybody, man. Because if you don't, and you're not respectful of everybody, and it just it's not gonna work, you know. Ha having it, and, I, and I've been very fortunate with these ASA tours, those AGA Nation tours. We had a good crew, you know. On the AGA tours, we had it was Dan Sieg, 
myself, Seth Klinger, and Keith Schmidt, which at first, you know, me and Keith didn't really know each other. Dan and Seth have been touring forever, but we, you know, you really end up becoming a family at the end of the day. And same thing with this tour, man. Like, it's all good vibes. It's every, you know, me, you, Trevor, Meyer, we got Alex Liebrock, Dan Sieg, you know, we got five guys in the truck now, which is interesting. A little tighter. A little tight in the back for you, for you fellas. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you got to learn how to respect people's boundaries and kind of judge people's personalities and check your ego at the door is a big one. You know, I mean, if, if you're Mr. Prima Donna and you're coming in there with all this steam, you'll get checked really quick. It doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. And you might not get asked back out, you know, and that's, that's not, that's never a situation that I wanted to be put in. Cause I love, I love what we do. It's, it's, you know, for so many years, the last couple of years, I've kind of tried to put the bike riding thing to the side, but it's pulls me back in, man. Every yeah. time. And I was, I was going to say, what's, what's your relationship with BMX? I know it's, it's your job. Currently you, you did try to jump out of it for a, a minute and so, be home. So I've done a lot of different things, man. So, I mean, so I did the, those national guard tours up to 21 and you know, those military contracts are real finicky. They're year by year basis. And, uh, you know, some things happened behind the scenes where the contract ended up getting swept out from under our feet and nobody got it. Um, so 20, 21 years old. I was like, all right, cool. Well, there goes my BMX professional career. Now I did a lot more than most people would at 21. At 21. I made definitely made more money than most people who don't backflip at the time. I mean, probably making more money than I was most of the guys or some of the guys winning contests. Yeah. I was making more money than my parents were at the time. You know, if not right there with them, and they have a you know mortgages and car loans and the whole nine bills, you know. So the contract gets swooped out, and I was like, all right, let's uh, let me go get my first real job, you know, which was weird. You know, now I'm going to apply for jobs, and they're like, so what's your work experience? Uh, nothing. I ride bikes. You know, like they look at you like you got 16 heads. <laughs> what is that? Hey, that's. I mean, it is a. It's a job. It, well, it teaches you a lot. You, about were, you worked jobs. a lot more. That yeah. What what has, what has BMX taught? I, I asked Alex that question. Um, what has BMX taught you in day to day life? Like my my example to him was like geography. Yeah. And mapping. And I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, but I mean, a little bit of everything, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it taught me how to be an adult is the big one uh, you know day to day though I mean like especially on a work basis like managing crews doing logistics like routing out routes for the truck um, you know keeping up with you know keeping face with schools you know you're, you're, you're representing the company at the end of the day you know so it teaches you how to be a professional you know, and everything that goes into that so you know I go into these jobs I was delivering food for a little bit and that sucked you know, I did some restaurant work. That sucked. Um, the big one was I worked for a utility company, you know, doing residential water meters. Did that for a couple of years going. And, you know, it was a good job. I started off at $9 an hour digging holes. And I worked my way up to managing crews. And, you know. Yeah, you were telling me that you were starting to learn a, a couple couple words in Spanish. Yeah, man. I, at one point, I was managing a crew of 12 guys. 10 of them were fluent Spanish speakers didn't speak English and I'm sitting there you know teaching them how to not break galvanized pipes and you know what they need to do and we're using Google Translator you know teaching guys their job 
you know so it was it was a uh, it was an experience for me definitely it, it was kind of like the reality check of like this bmx stuff's cool but as quickly as you got it you can get it taken away from you you and know? it made you appreciate the the BMX. Thing it definitely more. made me appreciate it. I mean, dude, there'd be days, you know, I'm mad enough to say it. I'd be going to that job with tears in my eyes. I don't want to do this. Just I don't feel like me. You know, I became an angry person at home because, and I couldn't figure it out why at the time. You know, I'm yelling at people in the car. I'm arguing with people at the restaurant because they got my food wrong, not realizing that it's because you know I'm just super salty at the end of the day. And, you know, looking back on it, I realized it's not what I wanted to do. So it was definitely an experience, and I did that for a while, and I worked for Lime Bike, which now you see all the Lime scooters everywhere. Did that for a while. I mean, there was probably a, a good four-year period where it was lull. I mean, obviously, you know, I did the, the weekend shows. You know, let's do the, a fair here, or a, a church event here, or whatever it was, maybe a random off week every once in a while. But when you're working a real job, dude, can't get away yeah you know hey i need a week off oh for what oh i'm doing this bmx thing uh yeah no that does yeah that does that doesn't work and then the show companies don't seem to after they get that a couple times maybe two three times like well they just assume that you're busy it's a dog eat dog world man i mean you turn down your spot there's somebody else that's gonna take it right behind you yeah and you know that's how it works. That's how we all got our spot. But, uh, you know, you got to hope you, la- you made a good enough impression on somebody that they're, you, you're, you still get put in their mind, you know. And that's hard. It is difficult. So, I mean, you know, I had a couple year lull and sitting at home and finally, let's see, 2019, kind of got back into the full-time show gig. I was living back in Greenville at the time. I had a relationship that kind of hit the rocks and... I was like, all right, gotta gotta rebuild my life here. You and know? before that, you you were kind of traveling. You were out west for a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I, nothing serious. You know, I was just kind of kind of floating. You know, I mean, I always rode. I'm I'm gonna be a bike rider until the day I die. No matter what. No matter if I'm working a real job. No matter if I'm doing contest. I mean, no matter what I'm doing. That's that's who I am at the end of the day. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I don't even think I was going out west at that time. I, you know. I was just kind of hanging out, East Coast guy, doing some contests here and there, but uh, really just kind of being a broke bike rider. I didn't have money to do much. And then 2019 hit, and I get a call from a circus company out of, I think they're out of Montreal. They're called Hopeful, and they're like, hey, man, like we have this opportunity at an amusement park in Ohio, uh, Kings Island. It's in just north of Cincy. Um, we want you to come out. We got I got recommended by... Uh, baby Keith, Keith Schmidt, so, you know, so talking about the network exactly, you know, just knowing somebody and they're like, hey, we think you'd be a good fit. So my, I was getting laid off at the line bike job, you know, my life was kind of coming to crumbles back home, and I was like, all right, cool. I got out of my lease of my apartment, I packed everything I owned into one, the back of my Tacoma, and I said, I am out. <laughs> and I went out there and, you know, right back into the grind. Like I did four months of circus shows which is, it was, it was essentially a, a theater show. You know, I did three minutes of bike riding, but I'm in full costume, full makeup. I'm at like three minutes of bike riding. I'm acting the other 57 minutes of the show. So it was uh, a whole different aspect of show riding that I never even thought was a thing, you know? So that, and that was a grueling schedule too. I was doing, we were doing six days a week, um, 
three shows a day, four shows on Sunday. So you're doing three or four shows a day, and I, I saw your guys' outfits. You guys were like spacemen. Yeah, I was an astronaut. Full on. So were you like tearing your makeup off after the show, or were you full makeup all day? I am like, I'd get there in the morning, we'd warm up, uh, do your own makeup. So that's a whole learning curve in itself. Um, you're sweating profusely because you're in. The, I would be wearing these thick one-piece jumpsuits, essentially. I mean, they got tubing on them, like something that you would never even want to walk around in, and you got to do your sickest tricks in. So you know, you're sweating, your helmet's rubbing your paint off, and then in between shows, you're in the back putting on foundation and redoing your whole your whole face, which was crazy. So re realistically, what is that a ten or twelve-hour day? Um, every day dealing with that. Yeah, I would say at least ten. You know, I'd get there probably about nine. Got out of there about five. So it was probably like eight. Okay. You know, it's a, it was a job. Yeah, essentially. Well, it, it was interesting, man. It was one of the most interesting, most eye-opening times of my life because I was like, all right, man. Like, obviously, obviously, people see something in me that you know. I've always been super hard on myself, man. Like my whole life, I'm. Never, never said, oh, I'm the best bike rider here, the best, you know, I'm just a guy that rides and, you know, happened to get lucky. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, this is an experience like that most people will never get to do, you know, it's kind of like a rock star life, you know, and then the whole theater aspect of it was crazy too. I was never a theater kid in school, so learning how to act and how to kind of improv on stage in front of a couple thousand people, you know, three shows a day, so... It was cool, man. We had, like, you know, kids that came to the show every day and, you know, kids breaking down in tears after the show, telling us that we inspired them and they're giving us fan art, like, really, like, legit fan art, like, every day. It was, uh, it was crazy. I would, I would literally walk out of the theater at the end of the day to go to my truck and just getting swarmed with people. It, it was insane. That's, that's pretty right. I mean... And it makes me feel weird because I'm not, I'm not that guy, you know, I'm Mr. Humble. Like I'm, hey, high five. Like, I guess I'll take a picture with you. But like, hey, dude, I'm just, I, at the end of the day, I'm just a dude who rides bikes. You just want to, yeah, you're just trying to figure out a way to ride your yeah, bike. Yeah, dude, like I'm just here to do, I'm just here to do three cans and cannonballs. I think, and that's, I mean, you just mentioned those two tricks. Um, something, especially in today's world where every kid does three whip bar, bar to whip, mm -hmm. backflip whip. There's there's a lot of uh, overlap in, in what yeah. younger riders are doing. Especially in the competitive side of things. Especially yeah. in that. But some of your tricks, like the cannonball, the three can, some might not necessarily consider those the hardest trick even though they're very difficult but you do them so fluently and they are so different than what the next rider is bringing that i think that really it really sets your riding apart especially for shows because yeah. when if anyone asks me like oh hey we need a rider like i i try to think of someone who has a wide bag of tricks or someone who's original yeah. like we've had we had mason on this trip yep uh for a couple weeks someone that their tricks are going to stand out that it's not 
you're not going to get doubles during a show. I yeah. think that goes a long way, and I think that's helped you throughout your career. I think it has too, man. And you know that comes back from being in Greenville. I saw so many different styles of bike riding. You know, I'm watching Josh Harrington, who is just destroying everything. Then you got dudes like Alex Colborn and Harry Maine, who are doing all the big flares and tech stuff. And then you got guys like Dan Foley, who's just going to the moon, landing front tire first. I mean, I remember when I first started riding, the, the Deadline crew was always in town. So you're looking at Ty and Garrett and all those guys. I just, and you know, I just kind of soaked it all in, man. Like, cherry picked what I liked, you know. I've always been a proponent of keep, you know keep it keep it simple stupid or keep it stupid simple you know and <laughs> yeah like I've never been a big trick guy you know I've, I've for the longest time I was go fast at a quarter pipe and go higher than everybody that was that's always kind of been my thing the tricks kind of were just my show thing you know even now like when I'm at home I'm not a big trick guy I'm just let's go fast let's go high and let's land smooth you know. And, and like you said, like even with the variety, like I love riding street. I love let's let's do rails. You know, a hard hard one eighty out of a handrail, do a double kinker. Um, you know, do stuff down the stairs set, riding flat ledges. We can go to the skate park, ride the big ramps. We can ride the small ramps that suck. You know, I'll <laughs> go ride the vert ramp with you and do deck slaps and you know whatever. We can go ride the trails and bit jump big doubles. Not and and that's uh, that's why one of the reasons I like traveling with you is because you do want to ride everything yeah. and I too want to ride yeah. everything anywhere we're at. There's like oh there's skate park oh there's a rail yeah. uh, look I hear there's some that. dirt jumps there's a jam yep. let's let's try to let's make it happen let's get after it yeah and, and a lot of that for me comes from you know being being a young kid being around all these guys. And I wasn't that good. So you go to the skate park session and you can't ride the spine. Oh, that sucks. I can't ride the spine with these guys. Oh, we go ride street and I can't ride the handrail. Oh, that sucks. Like, now I got to watch these guys ride the rail. Same thing with dirt jumps, whatever it may be. So at that younger age, I was like, I'm going to figure it out. You know, eventually I will figure it out. And, you know, I just kind of always took that with me yeah. throughout my, my bike riding career. Now you've, uh, you, you've traveled quite a bit. Um, you still live in Greenville. Yep. If you had to relocate, I, I you've you've almost got so many op. Your options are so diluted because you've been everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I know people from everywhere. I mean, I almost moved to Long Beach at one point. I mean, I well, if you would have asked me this question two years ago, the answer would have probably been a little bit easier. You know, now I'm I got a kid back home and. You know, balancing the show life and trying to be home. It's a new thing for me now. It's different. I mean, if I had to move anywhere, I'd probably be out in Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville? Yeah. Put me in the mountains, dude. I want to be next to a waterfall, no cell phone service, doing my own thing. I mean, there's stuff to ride out there, too. But at the same time, man, like, you know, when I was younger, like, I wanted to be out in California. You know, I watched these guys ride, and I'm like, I'm just as good, if not better, than these guys. And I didn't really realize that fully until I went out there, hanging out with those guys. Uh, Austin would have been a viable option at one point. I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, Greenville, what kind of keeps me in Greenville even to this day, and probably a lot of other guys that moved out there at the time, were it's cheap, man. Like, it's, it's stupid cheap. 
you know, going out, traveling all the time, everything's expensive, and then you go back to Greenville, and it's like, man, saving all this money, my rent's cheap, I'm in a nice spot. Yeah, we get paid the same no matter where we live. Exactly, you know, so, I don't know, the the moving place is a loaded question, you know, maybe one day I'll figure it out, but Asheville is the dream, eventually. It's funny, it's funny you say Asheville, and and the reasons why, because my girl and I will go down there and, and go camping and the National Forest and uh, I love that area D- uh, Dan Sieg's building a house yep. near there yep. uh, I wonder if something about our lifestyle of being on the road it's always hustle and bustle we're in so many metropolitan areas that we just want to get away for a while but it still has well I mean I kind of sit in a different weird spot I mean at the end of the day I'm a hippie at heart man like send me out with bunch of people armpit hair and living (laughs) free and doing your thing but at the same time man like go up in new york city like i know you guys hate new york city i love it if you've ever been everyone wants to go to new york city but if you've ever had to drive a trailer or be with a trailer going through new york city you will have a whole different mindset they hate you but i love the city man like we were just in philly this tour and i was hanging out with my boy gene barclay and he lives center city gene jumped it gene jumped it baby <laughs> shout out to gene man i miss gene but uh you know i mean I, this whole same thing with la loved la love san diego love austin i could i could be in any of those spots and be fucking, fucking just as happy as i could be yeah um i feel like a lot of those though are more like i want to move there because of my bike yeah and Asheville is more of like I want to move there because that's me. Adult, adult Logan yeah. wants to move uh, there. I mean, adult with some quotations around it. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, dude, like more, more adult. Uh, yeah, yeah, more level-headed mind, like for the future, Logan, yeah. for sure. Yeah, you, and you have to think that way. Yeah. But it's like you said, man. Like we travel so much, we sit in these cities, we get to really indulge in everything that these cities have to offer, and it's like. I don't really need to move anywhere, you know? It's true, yeah. You know, yeah, you like... Get to, you get to live everywhere yep. while still living... Because I'm back in Kentucky, and it's fairly inexpensive to live in Kentucky, so I, yeah. I get it. It's awesome. <laughs> um, now, you mentioned you mentioned Mini Logan. Yeah. Um, I'm a girl dad these days, <laughs> and she just turned one. She is the sunshine of my life, met a Ray place. And she... You missed the first couple weeks of this tour because you wanted to stay yep. stay home for her birthday. I'm a dad before anything else, man. Yeah. Like, you, and which is crazy for me to tell you that. You know, that's wasn't me for the longest time. I honestly hate children, <laughs> but uh, the, you know, the second they put my daughter in my arms, it was didn't cry or anything. It was like, all right, this is this is who I am, and you know, big learning curve. I'm learning every day that I'm with her. Um, I turned down a tour last year because of it. You know, she was born on September 14th. There was a tour that came up at the end of September, and Rick, the owner of ASA, hit me up, and I was like, hey, man, no. Which was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. Because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like I was saying earlier, a couple different times in my life, I was trying to, you know, you got people in your ear telling you, oh, you need to go to college, you need to get a real job, you need to do this to provide, that, and the third. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to fully dive into it. So it was, uh, I did that for a year and, you know, things happened and situations changed. But at the end of the day, I'm still a dad, lover to death. Now, has that, 
I'm, I'm interested in this because I, I am in my 30s. Um, my girl are, and I are starting the process of adoption. Yeah. And I've always I've always wondered how this business and being on the road will change my home life and mm-hmm. and with a kid I never before Lally I I was never with anyone that I I could see it working out right as far as having a kid and still having this career um how has that changed has fatherhood changed that perspective are you still struggling with that yeah dude I struggle every day with it you know some days are good some days are bad um you know and I feel like everybody's different too man like if you have if you go into it with an agreement that this is what we're doing this is what I do as a professional bike rider and you have a woman who can handle that then it's good (coughs) um you know at the time you know so kind of to run back a little bit you know we did a tour my first ASA tour in 2019 that ended in the spring of 2020 and boom COVID hit so okay once again nothing's promised so I'm back at home I'm working another job end up you know getting somebody pregnant and now I'm here having this kid so it's I kind of pushed it all to the side and you know for some people I think they can make it work push what the the bike the bike yeah Yeah. pushing the bike to the side some people can make it work you know for whatever reason maybe they just hate their family or they just have that agree you know and, and like I said like you were saying with you and your woman like you guys have that understanding that this is this without without the bike riding it's the element of the relationship is not the same yeah you know well I've, I've always wanted I've always wanted kids but I've always been worried that this career I'd have to give it up yeah and before I met La- until I met Lally it was she really made it sit well that like yeah plenty of people have careers absolutely they're not bike riders but her, i mean her dad was a pilot so her dad would be gone for a little bit yep. at a time and then would be off work for a, a chunk of time yeah. so it's it's not a specific amount of time spread over a month it's a big chunk for a couple weeks and then missing a chunk for a couple yeah. weeks so it's it's a give and take and i know you've been battling with that yeah. and just trying to figure it out it's hard man like one thing i've learned in the last couple of years since i was 20 21 is that i'm not the same person when bike riding isn't revolving in my life you know like i was saying earlier i'm an angrier person i'm a less understanding person i i'm a less motivated person for sure and those aren't elements to keep up a substantial life let alone a relationship um, you know, with being dad, man, like I, I put as much into it as I could, you know, and still am every day now, yeah. you know, now I got whole new elements of it, but we'll leave that to the side. But man, it's, I, it's hard. You know, I fly home Friday. First thing I do Saturday is I'm going to go pick her up from her mom's house and she's going to be with me for the weekend. And then it goes right back to, you know, the back and forth game where it's, I get her when I can. And whenever I do have the time to be with her, it's. 100% into that, 
you know I probably won't even take my bike out of the bike bag when I get home yeah who knows how long it'll stay in there <laughs> but yeah man like it's it's tough man like feel guilty sometimes you know like I'm getting to be out here living my life and she's just at home being doing her baby thing you know but she's awesome man like light of my life made made me a better person cleaned up a lot of things in my life that I shouldn't have been doing you know and it you know puts a big realization on you that now I got this person that relies on you relies on me yeah you know you see these things in your child that wow this is me you know I see that in her now like fearless you know I mean she she's been walking for four or five months now before she was one she's been very advanced and it's like she doesn't care she's yeah. falling over not not even not even crying falling off the couch I'm freaking out you know and she's just I feel like I've seen a picture of her with the same hairdo you got yeah, going on yeah yeah dude little alfalfa yeah right looking as cute as could be <laughs> so yeah man like being the dad thing you know this is my this is my first tour since COVID you know and it's uh it's been a change but I love it like at the end of the day like you know, I was going through a pretty rough patch before this tour and got my GED, got some things more together in my life, and I was like, all right, I'm ready to give this another shot and kind of just see where it takes me, man. Like I said earlier, like I, I, would, I would try to push this out, this, this fucking bike life, and like gets really salty about it, and it sinks its claws in me, <laughs> and it pulls me back in. If for as far as you are in, I don't think you could ever be away. No. And I'm sure other people out there have have gone through the same thing. But oh yeah, and t and tenfold. Way you know, at the end of the day, I'm blessed in my situation. It could be way worse, but at the end of the day, it's your situation to deal with. Yeah, you know. And, well, I've always said like I I can't be in a relationship that. Um, I can't be happy in a relationship if I'm not riding my bike because I have to be happy myself first. Yeah. And that's and that's the most that kind of keeps me grounded and whether that's a a spouse or a kid like yep. you I I feel like you've you've been you've talked to me about kind of that same stuff as far as I want to be a dad but I don't think I can be the best dad without being gone and being on my bike. Yeah. And, yeah, because it's, like you said, that's probably the realest thing we'll say this whole podcast, man. Like, I, we aren't us without that bike. That's all we've known since we were adolescent children. Yeah. You know? That's, you know, addicted to it. Addicted to this life of rolling around on my bike, clearing my mind, you know? Like, I, you know, I can't, you know, I write a lot. I read a lot. They do Those things do a lot for me. I meditate. But, uh nothing like pedaling as fast as I can in a quarter pipe and just letting it letting it rip you know and, and for for those listening there are some mornings where we're all groggy we're moving slow but Logan may be dealing with something and he is pedaling his heart <laughs> out first rip at the quarter pipe and he's doing eight feet yeah, and we're like, we're just like, okay, Lo Logan's gonna do his <laughs> thing today. Yeah, man. I mean, you could probably speak to this. Like, there'll be pl there's plenty of times this tour. I'm like, man, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling well. I got something going on. Maybe I'm a you know partied a little too hard the night before. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that. And then what happens? Do it. 
You know, it's just, <laughs> I can't help it. It's, you know, it's, maybe it's the showman in me. Maybe it's the ego in me. Maybe it's just that, that, you know, that, that once that switch flips, it's a whole different game. Well, you never know when it's coming. Yeah. It's when you feel it, you feel it. Yeah. And, and I mean, this tour especially, man, like, so, I, you know, I have, had my daughter last year and I hadn't really rode a whole lot in the last year, man. Like, not motivated back home to ride. There's not much of a scene anymore. I mean, I got a couple of homies that ride, you know, like my boy Dylan Potter, my boy Josh Robertson, they're killers on bikes, but we all work real jobs. You know, Josh Robertson's an engineer. Dylan Potter, he, you know, works out of town three weeks at a time doing utility work. You know, we all have our own jobs, our own lives, married, bills. It's crazy to think that Greenville went from such a high with BMX to almost non-existent. Yeah, it's insane. It is. It's seriously insane. You know, and like I don't write. You know, I go. I'll go home, and I'm big on just the 30-minute session. You know, I got my big line that I do. I might three the box, and all right, I'm over it. Like, let's go. And you know, then I won't touch my bike for a month. But I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people in your, a lot of riders in your situation, um, as far as just getting older, having different priorities, different things that you got to take care of that are in that same boat. And I feel like maybe I was talking to Alex the other day about that's kind of why I don't ride street as much Yeah. because, oh, I got to go to, I need to get home and work on cutting a tree down or Mm -hmm. work on this tile or cabinet or whatever. And I only have two hours or, or an hour I can get the most riding in at a skate park. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I go ride street, half of that's just going to be pedaling around. Yep. You're, dude, my knees, my ankles, my wrists can't take it as much <laughs> anymore. My shoulders, like, still love it. You know, and, and that's the thing, man. Like, and I know you're the same way. Like, we get that eye of the tiger. There ain't nothing stopping us besides us not being able to walk away. Yeah. For better or for worse, you know. And like yeah, like like I was just saying, like this tour, I've been riding like a freaking madman. You know, I've probably done more tricks for the first time. I was learning a new trick every week. You know, like there's tricks that I would do. You know, you got your resi tricks. You know, I would do a three up on the resi once a year. I would, you know, I'd, I've been double trucking the box jump. Never took that trick out of the foam pit till this tour, and I just been ripping them in the middle of a show in front of thousands of high school kids that are waiting to see you bounce off the ground, <laughs> you know? I'm going to prove them wrong. Yeah, I mean, and it's been crazy. Like, I've kind of been like, all right, I'm either going to try this and roll away every day or I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to get sent home. Yeah. You know, which is probably a terrible mindset to have, but it's like, to be 100% honest with you, Zach, like, I came into this tour thinking that this is might be my last tour and I'm going to end it on my terms not taken away from me because a contract ended, not taken away because of some crazy COVID shit. Like, I'm going to end it on my terms. Yeah. Whether I do it again or not, that's up to me. And I, that mindset's definitely flipped for me a lot, you know, because at the end of the day, like we are saying, this is who makes us us. Yeah. You know, and I'll have to figure all that, all the little nuances out on the way. But, man, like, I've I've been enjoying this trip. I've been enjoying riding with you guys. Like we've all just been going off every day. You guys have been doing huge wall rides out of the quarter. Alex has been flip whipping well, every day. You were talking about we we ended up going to Woodward one of these weekends yeah. and taking stuff from the resi and just throwing it into the show. Uh, 
one of Dan's favorite tricks is no foot can one hander, yeah. and he kind of, I don't know if he, had you done that trick before? No, never done it before. You learned it while at camp. Yeah. You did it once or twice over the box and shows, and then you proceeded to do it fakie. <laughs> yeah. After that, every day. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I've always been like that. Like, if I can do it here, I can do it there. Like, just gotta feel it, dude. Like, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't explain it, and and people probably think I'm a little crazy for it because I'm not, I'm not all scientific with it. Like, I'm not like, oh, I gotta tweak this and do it in the foam pit this way and do it the right. Like, let's just fucking send it and see how it works. Yeah. Now, with that being said, like, I know myself very well. You know, I'm not doing flip whips into the foam pit because I don't want to. You know, I mean, you could speak to this, Zach. Like, our first tour with this ASA, I wasn't doing backflips. You didn't flip at you all. Know? Upright. No, nope, no. Nope. I was doing cannonballs in the middle of a backflip train. <laughs> so you take that as you want. But it's still wild. It's yeah. well, for us, yeah. But for kids, you know, you're in the middle of a train. You do the first flip, and the kids go, ah, freak out. I do my craziest trick, and it's dead silent. And then the guy behind me flips, and it's the biggest pop again. It, it sucked. And I, well, I was in that boat too because I, I did my first show at, um, man, I was 17. I was senior in high school. Yeah. Um, coincidentally, also at a fall thing. It was yeah. at a haunted hayride. What is that? What is that about? Uh, you know, what know. is it about sprint or the fall that just makes people want to do shows? I couldn't tell you. Hey, but, corn maze, baby. Um, a lot of hot dogs. <laughs> a lot of hot dogs, a lot of face paint and pumpkins. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you just got me distracted. <laughs> Sorry. Backflips. We were talking backflips. Back okay, yeah. I, I was I was in the same boat. I I learned the rotation of a backflip just so I could learn flares. I could somewhat control a flare, but I couldn't. By the time I flipped a box jump from the takeoff to the landing... I had been flaring a vert ramp for six years. Oh, wow. I think. And I only learned the flip because I was like, okay, well, I want to try to make it with riding vert. That was my first goal. That's why I did the flare. And I was like, well, really the way to make money, and I was I was slowly learning, was doing shows. And I was like, I have to, as much as I don't want to do this, and it, it is scary. Yeah getting to that point flipping i was like i have to this is it's how you make your money yeah and, and it, look man i missed on a lot of opportunities because i didn't backflip you know i mean it comes down to i got opportunities because i knew a guy and i and like we were talking about earlier like you're easy to travel with you you do well in the schools you don't look like a complete bum hoodlum when you're walking in it's reefing a, or smelling like reefer anything crazy like that but i missed out on a lot of a lot of opportunities that I could have got because I wasn't a backflip guy. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't flip. Sorry. Yeah. And there's certain there's certain things. That my you... first my first backflip I did I was 21, and I you know that was in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. 20, yeah I think 2018. However old I was then. <laughs> you know I, I did my first flip to Resi. I did a handful of them, and didn't do them again for a long time. You know, and started doing this tour, and I was like, all right, like need to get serious about it. We were up in Detroit at Ron Thomas's ramps he had at the time. Knocked myself out cold doing it. People down the side of the resi. To, to, be, the to be fair, Logan just travels a little bit to the side in his flips. Yeah, it was bad. And he did a perfect flip, but his front wheel landed on the resi and 
to the side of it was a, a wood landing, which was a little bit steeper. So when his front wheel landed on the on the plastic, back wheel landed on the wood, it just instantly looped him out. Yep. Had his back wheel landed in the landing, the normal land, the resi landing, he would have been fine. Yep. But that definitely set you back a little. <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, it was it was a rough one, man. And let's see, and, I, and so I, that was that was 2019. I stopped. I had the flip block, and I had the flip block then too. But I was like, all right, let's just do it. And then I went up to camp in 2020 during COVID of all all times. And funny enough, Gene Barclay, I was just talking about, he was up there working with me that summer, and he taught some kid how to flip. His brother rode bikes. He was a skateboard kid. He's like eight. Never ridden a bike before. Literally, Gene taught him how to backflip. Within 20 minutes, kid was doing it on the resi. From foam pit to resi. So I'm working my shift. He sends me the video of it. And I was like, this motherfucker, dude. Like, <laughs> all right, that's it. That's it. Like, I literally didn't pad up, threw my helmet on, went across camp, and pedaled full speed at the resi. And now I'm doing backflips. And did one? Did one. It was just that kid? It was that kid. That one instance that was just got just got under my skin. I took it personally. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse. Good for that kid. Shout out to Gene for teaching this kid how to flip. But uh yeah. I mean I probably did some into the foam pit. Like I would always do them into the foam pit every once in a while. I'm not like, a foam I hate foam pits. Like I said, it it's never about like you can ride with someone that might be above your level, but if they're not pushing themselves it's some always sometimes better to ride with the person that's fresh, yeah. that's pushing themselves. In this instance, exactly. of this kid. So I mean, I was flipping the. Re- I was there for six weeks. I flipped the resi every day, full speed. I flipped the box jump there a couple times. Cool, was stoked. Didn't do them again. All right, yeah. like literally, flipped a couple airbags here and there, but whatever. Like literally, man. Like this tour, first day, I looked at Zach. I said, "Hey, man." get ready because i don't know what's about to happen and we've been good ever since like i mean i've bobbled a couple since then i fell on one a couple weeks ago and my knee popped on one today and i chicken nugget the hell out of it but <laughs> you know what? like you know you learn how to you learn how to figure it out but i mean literally came into this tour hadn't been riding you know i told you like hey man i haven't done tricks in a while hadn't really done much in a while and uh and that scares me probably more than it scares him because he leads the train yep i'm number one well we'll just figure this out and i'm like yeah Yeah. but sorry for being so nonchalant i'm the the (laughs) one that has to take if if something's going wrong and i the the one that did that you pulled a little hard and you knew it was coming. Yep. and you prepared for it and just kind of ran out of it yeah i kicked the bike i got out of everybody's way you were coming down to the la- on to coming down on the landing as my front wheel leaves the coping. Yep. So I see him put his foot down as I start to backflip, and at that point I'm blind to everything and have absolutely no clue, and it's just a hope for a sliver of landing that i can roll away without hitting him or his bike and we did it seamlessly and it worked out literally fine. after the show some uh, teacher came and she's like oh you did that on purpose i was like yeah no <laughs> thanks and if anybody else asks tell him yes but it won't on purpose i've, I've had i've had a kid ask me that yeah it's like you get paid more to fall on purpose no. we don't get paid enough. no not at all and you know like you and alex i don't think i've seen you or alex go down once this tour you guys, I mean, maybe slow a pedal here and there. Yeah, knock on the wood. I, I mean, hell, dude, first day, 
launched out of a cannonball out of the freaking sky, fell fell out of the earth. Was that the first day? That was day one. It may, it may if not day one, first couple of days, but yeah. It, that, that, that was the day I met a dude there that had a first-gen medal. Yeah, stoked. dude. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, I'm very nonchalant. I'm very carefree. Like, whatever, dude. Like, whatever's going to happen. Like, probably way more than I need to be most times. But, you know, it, it works out. Like, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. And cannonballs I do all the time. And I could not do them for a year. And I could go and do one first try. But, you know, just came off the lip weird, leaned back, and, you know, called it in there. Like, I, I, I'd rather fall like this than loop out trying to get back on the bike. What, other than the, was it solely that kid that really got you? I mean, it's always, you know, like, you do these show com- shows for companies and, hey, man, like, do a flip. Do a flip. Well, like, you flip. I mean, it, it's, it was so many different elements of it. Like, you watch kids who can barely do anything, and they're doing backflips. Well, like, one, one of your big things that you were afraid of a lot with the flip, you could flip, but you would kind of uh, laterally would, flip. Yeah, I would, like... You would travel It was right. weird, man. Like, my flip would be straight, but my hips would be offset to the side, like, to the left side. So, I mean, if you could imagine, like, how you would look side saddle, but with both feet on the bike... Like, I'm almost flipping beside the bike, and it would just literally just pull me. And I didn't know how to fix it. How did you overcome that? I went as fast as I could and did nothing. Okay. Yeah. I think... Keep it stupid simple. There you go. That's that's how I... That is the biggest thing, man. Like, turn the brain off. Go, you know, and my flip is really high. Probably higher than it needs to be. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I did that at camp in 2020, and then, like... One day I just went out the park. I was like, I'm just gonna do flyout flips, and that way, whenever the time comes, I'm at least comfortable with the upside down part. Because that was the problem that always freaked me out. Like being upside down, I didn't like. Yeah. You know, like did not like it. At I all. still can't backflip on a trampoline. I still hate it. I look. I do flips every day. Hate it. <laughs> hate it. It's my least favorite trick I do, and they look good. You know, I'm stoked about it. You know, I, you know, you and Alex have years of backflips under your belt. I have months. well i think i think for me it helped so when i got called micah called me to do show this was 2013 he called me to do shows and said hey got this that monster truck show you have to flip at the end I'm like oh crap okay well i don't really flip but i'll flip to the deck that's fine whatever and then he sent me a picture of the ramp the golf cart ramp it has no deck ain't got no deck boy like oh crap okay so i had to go i went to raise and i was like i'm just gonna fire out a bunch of flips yeah make it i'm like this is this is what i have to do i have a timeline i've got to get it i honestly think raise having a short ceiling helped yeah because how you said you're not comfortable upside down i saw a floor which is technically the ceiling, <laughs> I saw something under me the whole time. Yeah. Whereas if you go to Woodward, same thing. You've got something underneath you, but when you're outside, which was that one that you did at Ron's, yeah. you're fully blind to how fast you're rotating until you see the ground. I mean, honestly, man, like whether I'm inside or outside, like I don't see nothing. Really? Yeah, like I, I spot my landing, but it's just, here we go. I feel like I'm better inside. Yeah. I, it, it's the same for me either way. Like, uh, you know, it's go as fast as I can and 
do nothing. Just lean back <laughs> a little bit and let it go. And then, you know, once I'm upside down, I spot the landing. But it's, you know, I'm not going to do a single backflip till we do shows again. You yeah. Know, it's not that trick. Just It's not for me. I'll do it because, you know, it's part of my job. And I take it personally because I know I can do it. I have all this bike control and there's no reason I can't do it. You know, me and you have been talking this tour and I, you know, I, I said something to you one day, like I can do anything, call that ego or whatever you want. Like physically when I'm on point in my mind, I can do literally anything that I want to do, but it's got to be in the, I want part of it. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But if I don't want to do it, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> and I don't care how much you're paying me. Like you're just going to have to deal with it. You know, and then, you know, better for worse, that's, that was kind of my mentality for a long time. Yeah. But not flipping, got all these other tricks under my belt show-wise that I just got down so dialed. And once again, other tricks that I didn't learn at a skate park necessarily, like, I just learned them at a school somewhere. You know, like, you fall, you're messing up a gym floor. Yeah, Hopefully you, you not. You have consequences. Yeah, you Not know? just your body, but... Yeah, your, your, your personal finances, you know, <laughs> yeah. like... You know, so I, and you know, I learned these tricks, and I'm not a big tail whip guy. I'll do whip whips on quarters, and I'm not not a huge bar spin guy, but I'll do trucks. And but on the, you know, I just I have these tricks that I do that I want to make look good. You know, I love doing three cans. I used to watch Foley, Dan Foley, do three cans, and it was like fucking art, man. Like the way that he would maneuver the bike around and land front tire first. I was like, that looks addicting. And now that's how I do them. I, mean, I, do, I, I put my own pizzazz on them. But, uh, you know, I love doing that trick. Do it on everything. Cannonballs the same way. Like, used to watch Josh Harrington do cannonballs all the time. And it's just, that's just what I took. I took from it. And now I'm like, let's see how crazy dipped we can get this cannonball to be. And, you know, and then even still, like, let's do combos out of them. Like, cannonball to no can. I've been doing truck to can. You know, like that's I it, for me. There's always a progression there. Yeah. No, I I just so I just started doing three whips this tour, literally. I I hadn't done a three whip since the end of our last tour in 2020. I did it on the last show, the last day on the last jump. Didn't tell anybody. Everybody's <laughs> like, "What the hell was that?" And I hadn't done one since. And you know, on this tour, I've just been doing them every day, and I've been like, I feel like I could do something out of it. I'm going to leave that at that because I don't know what that's going to be yet. But, you know, like, I just, that's just how my mind is. Truck drivers, like, I want to do another bar spin here. I've been doing double trucks. Like, can I do double truck to can? Like, that's just how my brain always operates. Like, kind of a combo guy, but I wanted to make it look good. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, like, that's only the show side of my bike riding. You know, like, when it comes down to my everyday, I'm not a contest rider. I do all right. I'm a good, like, 15th to 6th to 5th place guy. That's that's where I am at contest. Now you put me in a bowl contest, I do pretty well. You know, because I have the flow, I have... I look at skate parks differently than most people do, and the way my riding style is, it's not just bar spin, tail whip, backflip, bar spin, tail whip, backflip. I look at things like transfer here, tire slide this, get to here to get to there. I look at things a little bit differently, but, you know, I've won one contest in my whole BMX career. Ever. And that was at my local. That was at the unit. I won a contest. I think at. I've won one. Yeah. Yeah. See, so that's you know, you de- you don't have to win to get where you want to go. No, I mean, unless that's what you want. But now, like, and even when I was younger, like the level of contest riding is not how I want to ride. I don't want to set my bike up for that style of riding, 
and it's just not me. Yeah. You know, the tra- the whole training part of what we do does not entice me at all. I don't want to go just do shit I don't want to do because I have to do it. Like, it's a gamble too. It, it is. Yeah. It's a huge it's a huge financial gamble and whereas this we can go do if we feel like sending it, we can send it. Mm-hmm. If we don't, we get to the end of the day and we can go to the skate park and then do what we want. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um I mean what we do is is a huge gamble at the end of the day and we're risking our lives at the end of the day and you never know what's gonna happen. Like, I mean I've I've gotten broke off on tricks I do every day, you know? And you know, that's and that's another thing that I've dealt with in the last six to seven years is like concussion stuff man like i i this year i just got all my teeth put back in my head um i looked like a meth head for about a year or two like i literally had no top teeth so i knocked all my teeth out i had a lot of concussion issues where like you know i just didn't feel like me anymore you know which maybe that some of that comes back to the not wanting to ride you know it really knocks your confidence down a certain level you know you hit your head and you feel foggy for a couple of months it's weird you know and like being a dad like shit like that i think about all the time like oh we already put our bodies through so much abuse like it hurts to bend down like my knees hurt to pick up my kid like my shoulders get sore after holding her for a while like stuff like that which i never thought about when i was 17 and just slam get up slam get up i still do that from time to time i still have that in me but it's few and far between is is you know and obviously perspective has changed yeah and obviously you know your your level of writing gets a little bit better and you kind of understand what you can and cannot do but at the end of the day like there's you know you got to send it yeah you know but there's a lot of consequences to what we do you know like there there'd be days where i get up out of bed and i black out completely and don't know what that's all about you know i've been checked out a couple times and you know doctors always like oh well, you should probably just stop it's not that cut and dry you yeah know? lally always asks me she's like are you gonna go to the doctor i'm like no they're just gonna tell me not to ride my bike yeah and then that's a that's a grittier side of bike ride that not a lot of people talk about man like i'm willing to talk about it here like knocking on my teeth that was a huge mental thing for me you know like i've been I, so since covid i was doing a sales job for a while and doing a sales job with no teeth boy let me tell you something somebody that tells you that they don't notice your teeth being messed up big lie you know i don't i and i don't judge people for their teeth being messed up because everybody has a different circumstance you yeah. know like my parents couldn't afford dental work when i was a kid so my teeth were never the greatest to begin with and then you start hitting your face and breaking them and chipping them here and there and where I'm a poor bike rider, I can't afford dental work, you know, like, I got 10 grand worth of dental work in my mouth right now, that I'm paying, I owe just as much on my teeth as I do my truck, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean, it's, you know, my car loan and my teeth are the exact same amount that I pay every month, it sucks, you know, it's, that's something that you gotta, but it's huge, it's huge, you gotta take that into consideration when you do this every day, like, you what? are your own billboard. Yeah, we are. We're our own business. We're our own manager. We are the writer. We are the marketer. We are the salesman. And everything else in between. Yeah. You know, and image is a big thing, as much as I hate it. Like, I'm not a big Instagram guy. Honestly, typically, before lately, like, I'm, I, I keep my personal stuff private, you know? Like, I, the BMX, my Instagram is just BMX shit. 
So, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm not a big talker at the skate park. I have my friends who I know, but, you know, I don't, I don't reach out to people for help and I don't talk about my issues that I got going on and this, that, and the third. And what you should do, man, like, you know, don't, don't put yourself in a bad mental state to where you are going to do something negative or harm yourself or anything like that. Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dark shit that this bike riding stuff brings in and, you know, there's, but in the same turn, there's all this good that this bike riding stuff will bring you friendships that last forever memories that last forever i mean dude i know so many people i'm like and you don't even see them for five six years and you pick up right where you left off you know i know you could speak to that yeah yeah i mean doug dougie's in brazil right now yeah he's one of my best friends (laughs) shout out to dougie yeah so it's i mean that that is a cool that is an awesome thing about this job is that you're radius of life is yeah and that's one thing that like does a young kid understand that i know i didn't 10 years ago you know 13 years ago when i first gotten into it like i didn't think about the long lasting effects of what i'm doing like would that have turned me away from what this is no because at the end of the day like i could get up out of bed and slip and fall and knock myself out I could get hit by a car walking across the street or some drunk driver hit me while I'm driving, you know, whatever that scenario could be like, dude, you can go out in a way that is out of your control, yeah. you know? And it's like, at the end of the day, this is a very controlled chaos. And you, yeah, it, I'm, I'll ride my, my motorcycle to the skate park with my BMX bike on the back mm-hmm. and I actually wear a three quarter helmet on my motorcycle yeah, and then you ride. And I a, wear a full face motorcycle. Yeah, and helmet. he's running the DOT certified beefy helmet at the skate park. At the skate park, I feel. I know it's going to be a wilder <laughs> crash. Yeah, and at I've seen skate park. and I've seen you take some diggers, man. Like where if you didn't have that full face on, you would be picking your teeth up off the yeah, ground. Yeah, I'd, I'd be just in the same boat with you. Yeah, exactly, and that's a shitty place to be. You know, I, I, I didn't really wear a helmet much when I was younger. I mean, skate park, yeah, but any other time, like, I didn't. So so with that, with that in mind, if we uh, kind of wind it down, like, I mean, what what do you... To someone that wants to be a professional bike rider, whether it's contests uh show riding um what would what would you give them advice wise if it's not fun don't do it i mean i could go into a bunch of different things but at the end of the day like the reason i still do this is because it's fun to me man like the day that this isn't fun to me anymore i'm done and i don't have a plan b so I'll have to figure that out when I get there. But, like, dude, like, this is what I love to do. You know, during the show, I got a smile on my face. I'm laughing. I'm cutting up with you guys at the skate park. I'm having a hoot and toot time. You know, and that's that's the biggest thing, man. Like, don't take it too fucking seriously. Because once you start taking it seriously, you're going to be miserable. Just like at your job, if you're working some office job, like, you're going to be miserable working at that desk all day because it's not fun. Yeah. That's why most people don't have a job that they like. Yeah. And we are blessed enough to be able to enjoy what we do every day and get up, have air in our lungs and movement in our body and get after it, you know? 
And Taco Bell in our Taco morning. Bell in our system and all the <laughs> other shenanigans that you can figure out to get into, man. Um, well, who would, uh, do you have anyone you'd like to thank? <sighs> yeah, uh, I mean, I got some people, man. Like, n- number one, shout out to Dan Sieg. That's my guy. Um, you know, without him, I wouldn't be the man I am today. I wouldn't be here doing these shows. I probably, I don't, who knows if I'd still be riding a bike. Um, so shout out to him first and foremost, you know, shout out to Dylan Potter, Gene Barclay, Josh Robertson, all my homies back home, you know, my parents for putting up with me the best they can and all my other friends for always checking in on me, man. And, uh, you know, if I had to end this off, I just want to say like, if you're having a problem, whether it's with mental health or abusing substances or whatever it is, and you don't feel like anybody understands you, like reach out for help. Like, it's out there, and your life is worth more than that dark period that you're going through. You know, at the end of the day, like, there's somebody out there that is willing to listen to you, even if you don't think there is. And, yeah, I'm a big proprietor on all that, man. So, take care of yourself. Take care of your body. Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but, you know, I'm learning from experience every day, so... I appreciate you having me on, dude. Yeah. Me and Zach have been Zach, Zach's been talking about this easily since 2019. <laughs> so I'm so glad that he has pulled the trigger on this, followed through, and it's, well, have, it's, have you name dropped it yet? Are we are we dropping the name on this? I don't know. I mean, I've I've changed it a thousand times, but right yeah. now it's uh, biked we're, up. We're like, biked up. Like talking bikes. Yeah. But we're mic'd up. Yeah. So uh, it's an honor to be on maybe the one and only biked up episode. <laughs> maybe the next three will be something we'll, we'll different. Figure, we'll figure it but, out. Uh, it's, it's uh, I, we ha- I guess I guess we haven't fully taken it to wood. We're no, we, names and we're uh, yeah, we just hit the side of the foam pit. I think you know, like. But man, I appreciate you having me on. I mean, I don't know if anybody want to listens to my BMX opinions and like we said earlier, like I'm, I don't have a name or anything in this bike ride and shit, but. I've been doing it, it's who I am yeah you know and I and pr- and you've influenced by doing this the amount of the amount of kids that have seen BMX yep. and gotten so stoked on BMX has that same you, you can't that same kid in 2008 on. who sat at Keith King's bike show and got inspired who was me we are doing that for somebody if we if we help out one kid a tour yeah I mean we're probably doing way more than most people are well, I mean, even even then, like, I, I just see it as, and I talk to teachers about it, like, if we can come into the school and tell these kids we get paid to do a backflip in their gymnasium, and someone says that whatever job they want to have when they're older, there's no way they can make money at it. Yeah, right. Yep. We're doing backflips in their gymnasium, so there's a way to make Do it. Do those work. people making money playing video games in their house right now? My you friend, I mean? my friend Brett. Do you know Brett Downs? Uh, I know of him. He's yeah. Brett's a, a rep for some companies. He's a plywood hood. He's been in the the BMX scene in the industry for a very very long time. Um, his kid is out making. I think he's he's making more money than Brett playing <laughs> video games. Dude, I mean, and like. And, it, get after it whatever you want to do get after it don't let people influence you in your ear like if you have a vision and you have a dream and a lot of us don't have a plan b get after it because if you have a plan b you're already setting yourself up for failure <laughs> so hey man 
Hey, I appreciate it. Love you, well, dog. If uh, love you too. Um, people want to follow you. Instagram at Logan Place. L O G A N P L A C E. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We're out of here. Cheers.